I flew from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania to Houston, Texas late Saturday evening, November 18, 1995. I traveled on Saturday to take advantage of a weekend discount airfare that required a Saturday night stay. As Vice President of Marketing for Berg Electronics, I needed to be in Houston for a 10 a.m. Monday morning meeting to help Berg's major account manager negotiate a supply agreement between Berg Electronics and one of our strategic accounts, Compact Computer. The major account manager and I were to play good cop, bad cop. My role was the bad cop from corporate. When I arrived in Houston around 11 p.m., I purchased a copy of the Houston Chronicle to catch up on what was happening in Texas. There was an article in that paper that I liked so much that I carefully tore it out and put it in my briefcase. When I returned to Harrisburg, I placed the article in a collection of other special newspapers I had saved throughout my life, like the front pages of papers when John F. Kennedy and Martin Luther King were assassinated, when man landed on the moon, and other significant current events for my life. The Houston Chronicle featured a story about Itzhak Perlman, a violinist who came on stage to give a concert at Avery Fisher Hall at Lincoln Center in New York City. The article described how difficult it was for the audience to witness a Perlman concert because his handicap required him to use leg braces and crutches to painstakingly navigate to his place on the stage and then remove and set aside his mobility paraphernalia. Early on during his performance, apparently one of the four strings of his violin broke sounding like a rifle had been fired and startling the audience. The entire hall wondered what would happen next. He closed his eyes and signaled the conductor to begin again. Perlman had refused to acknowledge his misfortune and played spectacularly on with only three strings. When he finished, there was a thunderous standing ovation, and then he spoke, not boastfully, but in a quiet, pensive, reverent tone. You know, sometimes it is the artist's task to find out how much music you can still make with what you have left. The article concluded with the newspaper reporter's quote, So perhaps our task in this shaky, fast-changing, bewildering world in which we live is to make music, at first with all that we have, and then, when that is no longer possible, to make music with what we have left. So why did I save that old, faded, and crinkled-up newspaper article for 15 years through several job relocations, each relocation giving me the opportunity to just toss it out? Perhaps it was just a serendipitous discovery in the wee hours that Sunday morning in Houston. I believe the true story told in these chapters will reveal the answer to that question. One thing I want to share before you read any further is an apology. I'm a reader who almost always finds discomfort when reading what I call iBooks. I attempted to write this book from a different out-of-body perspective, but finally caved in to the reality that writing the dreaded iBook was my only alternative. But the good news is that my book isn't so much about me as you will discover. It is equally about you and my desire for you to see through my eyes the potential serendipity available to all of us brave enough to reach out and embrace it on a more intimate level.